0: As probably his name really is, but he's known as a different name in those li- in those listings. And so if we go to Matthew chapter number 10 and then Mark chapter number three you'll see something Matthew, Matthew 10 and verse uh, verse three it says Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican. And then Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 3 and verse 18 you'll see it again in Mark 3:18 it says, and Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas. And then in Luke, Luke chapter number 6, Luke chapter 6 and uh, Luke 6 and verse 14. And again, we have the same listing and it says in verse 14, Simon, who he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew. And so we always see these guys listed together. Almost always are they listed together and that is Philip and Bartholomew. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse 13, you have the listing of the, of the uh, 11 after Jesus died and went back to heaven, uh, rose again went back to heaven. And, uh, and the 11 are meeting together in Acts chapter 1, and uh, Bartholomew is, is listed there. But I think he has another name. Most everyone agrees that, that Philip's friend Bartholomew, and that's they figure he's a friend and that he's close because he's, he's almost always listed together with Philip. And John chapter number 1, we looked at Philip several weeks early, earlier when uh, Jesus was calling Andrew, Simon, Peter, and, and James and John and Philip. And, uh, and we see here at that time in John chapter 1 in verse 43, the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee. And findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me now. Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathaniel. And saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and in the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip saith unto him, Come and see. And so most people believe, and I, I agree, that Nathanael is another name for Bartholomew. You can see from other places Uh, in the scripture that it it, it, there's other disciples that had more than one name and I think Bartholomew Nathaniel was the same man and so with this we see tonight the last one Nathaniel or Bartholomew however you want to call him but we'll call him Nathaniel for the sake of the story because this is the only time that you're going to read where Bartholomew or Nathaniel actually said something or did something that we can get some uh, some information on and so John chapter 1 is where we find this and that's going to be our key and uh, it's interesting that he was a close friend of Philip, and, and, and Philip findeth, after he finds Jesus, Jesus found Philip, verse 43, Jesus found Philip, now Philip finds Nathaniel. I believe that all these men were already believers, and, and the reason why is because we've already talked about how that they were all disciples of someone else before they were Jesus' disciple. These 12 men had already followed some other man. The only exception to being believers would have been Judas Iscariot. But even Judas Iscariot, I think, was a fake follower of John the Baptist. And probably all 12, including Judas, was baptized by John the Baptist. But we conclude after reading and studying Judas that he was probably never saved. Uh, Jesus called him a devil. That's a good clue. Uh, and, and, And it would just appear he's called the son of perdition later on that Judas was fake. He was not truly a born-again believer, but he was a disciple of John the Baptist. Why do I keep saying that? Because the Bible clearly shows, as, as John 1 teaches, that Andrew and, and Peter and James and John were clearly disciples of John before they were Jesus' disciple. And the Bible tells us that John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1, 17, was sent to prepare the way of the Lord and also for, to prepare a people for the Lord. And in Acts chapter 1, and verse 22... When Peter stands up and says to the other ten, Judas already having killed himself, Peter stands up in Acts chapter 1 and in verse 22 Peter says, we need to pick a replacement for Judas. And so from we need to pick a, from amongst our disciple friends that we have, because it wasn't just 12. There was a lot of disciples of Jesus by then. But we need to pick one for beginning from the baptism of John. Now why did Peter say that? I think it's because they all had that common denominator that they all started out as being baptized by John the Baptist and were disciples of John who then prepared the people and then turned them over and John chapter 3 John says he must increase I must decrease I I am the bridegroom uh, excuse me I am the friend of the bridegroom but he is the groom he is the groom I'm just a friend I'm just here to get people prepared for Christ and so I do believe that John the Baptist, that's why he was sent. John chapter 1, it tells us in the beginning, it says that a man f- sent from God whose name was John. That was John the Baptist, and his birth was a miracle birth. It wasn't a virgin birth, but it was a miracle birth as well, and God used him, and um, he's the one that said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And in previous verses from what I just read, John was a Levite. He was the son of two Levites. He was, he was He was technically a priest then, and he had the ability and had the, the right to be able to point out a kosher lamb and say, the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. All interesting stuff about John the Baptist. and Oh, by the way, his last name was Baptist. I'm just kidding about that. But they called him John the Baptist. They didn't call him John the Lutheran or John the Catholic or John the charismatic. And so I'm not afraid of the name Baptist. Now, I realize that just because someone calls himself Baptist, that doesn't mean they're even Christian. I just said that about Judas Iscariot. But I do believe that all 12 were first disciples of John the Baptist and then disciples of Christ. Another passage that you can look at, I think it's Matthew 22, where they asked Jesus a question. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'll answer your question if you'll answer my question. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or was it of men? And if you'll answer that, I'll answer your question. And the the cute thing about that is, is that Jesus really did answer their question. Because their, their question was, by what authority do you have right to do these? And the authority was because John the Baptist's baptism was from heaven. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And the Pharisees said, well, if we say from heaven, then he'll say, why don't you believe him? And if we say from men, all the people will be mad at us because they believe John the Baptist was from God. And so there's another strong indicator that John the Baptist was sent to prepare and to authorize. And so... I, I said this before, and you, many of you heard me say it, but in case you're, you're here tonight and you never heard this before, I want to illustrate this just, just to tell you. Several years ago, a local Lutheran pastor happened to be at breakfast where I was, and he said, as I was leaving, he said, Now, Matt, make sure you baptize some babies this weekend. And I said, uh, Probably not. And some of the other ministers were with him and said, and they laughed, Ho, ho, ho. And then, and then he said, He followed that up, and he said, Now you know, you know, Jesus was a Lutheran. And I just said, well, actually, he was baptized by a Baptist. And all the ministers went, ooh, and then I walked out the door. But, but here's the thing. It's true. Jesus was baptized by a Baptist. That is truth, okay? And, and so I'll, I'll, I'll hang on to that name in spite of Bill Clinton and Al Gore who said they were Baptists. I will hang on to that name because it's a Bible word it's a Bible label okay so I'll hang on to it now that doesn't mean that I'm associated with every other Baptist that you can think of or or have ever heard or or been associated with just like I'll hang on to the name American in spite of some Americans but we see then tonight the last one and Philip I believe was a believer and just waiting for the Christ and John the Baptist. I mean, he's telling them all about, "Behold, the Lamb of God." And and they're they're starting to get the picture. They're starting to realize, Messiah is coming. He's here. It's now. This is happening. And Isaiah prophesied that there would be a man named John. You know, they didn't call him John in Isaiah, but he would prepare the way of the Lord. And these things are starting to click, and it's starting to happen. And we know thirty years earlier, when Jesus was born, wise men started to figure it out. We just sang about him. The wise men started figuring it out. Jesus is the King. He's the Messiah. And then a week later, there was an old man named Simeon in Luke chapter 2 and and, and an old lady named Anna. They figured it out, all right? And so it it started to get figured out by people who were studying the scriptures. They started to realize that Jesus is the Messiah. Are you helping your dad listen, Bennett? I hope so. Jesus is the Messiah. And here's what I want to say. This man, Nathaniel, could be the most special of all of them. Because what you're going to see tonight is you're going to see Jesus say something about Nathaniel that he didn't say about any of the others. And that's interesting. And so we'll look at it tonight as we study this together. Nathanael means gift of God. Bartholomew is a surname and it means son of Tumai. And so Bartholomew was son of. And uh, Nathaniel probably was his more typical name. And uh, don't want to get off on a rabbit trail too much, but but son of Tolmai, we, we, we still have some of that tradition today. I don't even know where last names got started, but, but for instance, if your dad was Carl, you might be called Carlson. If your dad was John, you might be called Johnson. That's just how things were. Um, and how, how the, you know, I'm not sure what a Furze is, but anyhow, um, that, that is part of the name stuff. But here we see. This man, Nathaniel. Now, interestingly enough, John 21 says that Nathaniel was from Cana. That was his home, Cana of Galilee. And we don't need to turn there. But what's interesting about that is, is right after John chapter 1 is John chapter 2. And that is the story of the water into wine in Cana. This, is hap- this happened in Cana. So this, that, that miracle, which was the first miracle that Jesus performed, was in Cana in Nathaniel's hometown. He obviously was Philip's friend. And Bethsaida was 20 miles away from Cana. That's a good, that's a good jaunt for, for, for back then. Cana would have been more, I think, west of, southwest of Galilee, Lake, Lake, Galilee, the Lake of Galilee, Sea of Galilee. And Bethsaida would have been straight north of Galilee, if I'm remembering right a little bit northeast. And so it was at least a 20-mile journey for Philip to find Nathaniel. But he was so excited to find Nathaniel and tell him, we found him. We found him. The one, verse 45, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. It's interesting that Philip would go that distance to find him and tell Nathaniel about him. We found him. We know John's been telling us about him. We know we're being prepared for him. And here he is. So then, on top of that, he says two things that I think are interesting. Verse 45, he says, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Well, I think maybe there's a little bit of pessimism there because, well, we know Joseph. He's a carpenter. There's a good chance they, that they knew who Joseph was. Maybe didn't know him real well. but And Joseph lives in Nazareth. And notice what he says in verse 46. And Nathanael said to him, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Forgive me for saying this, but he's from Pringle? Just kidding. Pringle Poachers? He's from Osage? Anybody know where Osage is? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I read that, that some have said that Nazareth actually were so aloof and so different that they would throw their garbage into the street just to keep visitors from passing through. They were just odd people. Also, by the way, Nazareth in Luke chapter 4 is the place where Jesus went into the synagogue in Nazareth and he pretty much told them that he is Christ. And he read from Isaiah and he said, this day this scripture is fulfilled. And he said, I am. And they took him out and tried to throw him off the cliff. And he just kind of, it wasn't his time to die, so he just walked right through. That was Nazareth. So I don't know exactly what Nathaniel meant. I don't know if he meant they were rednecks I don't know if he meant that they were, you know, Pringle poachers. I don't know if he meant that, but whatever it was, he kind of turned his Nazareth. And maybe, maybe Nathaniel, I do believe that they were reading scripture. In fact, I'm going to mention this a little bit in a minute. I do think Nathaniel, when he was sitting under that fig tree, was contemplating or actually reading scripture about Christ. And... If he had been reading anything in prophecy, he might have read Micah 5.2 that says that he would be born in Bethlehem. Well, not Nazareth. But what we know is that in Matthew chapter 2, it says that Joseph was led of God to leave Bethlehem because Herod was going to kill all the babies and head to Egypt. And then after a while, when he heard Herod had died, he came back from Egypt, back into Israel. But he was afraid of Herod's brother. And, so, and so, so Joseph decided, I don't want to stick around in Judea, around Jerusalem, Bethlehem area. And so he settled back in Nazareth, north, in Galilee. And yet the Bible prophesies that Jesus would be of Galilee, Isaiah chapter 1. Said that he would be of Galilee of the nations or Galilee of the Gentiles. And Matthew 4 refer so maybe that's why Nathanael says, Nazareth. He says there, and let's read it together. Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said unto him something that we all need to say to all of our friends and all of our neighbors and all of our co-workers and all of our relatives. Come and see. You need to come see for yourself. Don't judge it without coming and seeing it. Come and see. Years ago, years ago, there were some girls that were coming to our Sunday school and anchor club and and they had a volleyball game, I think, in Hot Springs or somewhere, Edgemont, and, and the bus was going down the highway and the girls pointed over at this little modular white building that used to sit out here. And they pointed from the highway as the bus was going by and they said, That's our church. That's where we go. And the coach and the teacher looked, That don't even look like a church. Come and see. Just come and see. Don't don't decide, you know. Don't be prejudiced. Prejudice, the word means prejudge. Don't be prejudiced. Come and see. And and that's we we need to just we need to look, come and see. You know, come see for yourself. Pray for Dallas because I, I use Dallas as a poster child this week. I posted with his permission and George last week with his permission about hope and what we do on Friday night. And it's a blessing that that Dallas has gone over six months now and doing so well. And And you know what? Sooner or later someone needs to just come and see. It's not us, and it's really not a great program. It's just the Bible, as George said. It's just how we're using and studying the Word of God. Just come and see. And so that's what Philip says to Nathaniel. And and, and by the way, in this case, they're already believers, but Nathaniel doesn't believe that Philip's telling him, this is really, are you sure? You just come see for yourself. So obviously... Nathanael did what Philip said, he came and saw, because verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. I think Nathanael was a thinking man because verse 48 says, Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. It's interesting about fig trees. It says in First Kings four twenty five, Micah four four, and Zechariah three ten, it says, Every man will dwell under his own vine and his own fig tree. Every man will dwell under his own vine and his own fig tree. As if that was just a place of, of peace and meditation and rela- and and, and, a, and the the context there is 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 peace and 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 the ability to just focus on the Lord. And I think Nathaniel was sitting under a fig tree, either thinking or then reading about the scriptures and thinking things about Jesus Christ, who he had not met yet, about the Messiah that was to come. The reason why I say that is because Jesus demonstrates something here. He demonstrated, first of all, that he's omnipresent. There's three things about God. He's omnipresent, omni meaning all, everywhere. God is everywhere present. We really don't need to pray, Lord, be with them. He he is there. But we know what we mean. God is everywhere. God is is there. God is everywhere. This is why you can't get away from God, and that's why you need to be a, a very much aware of the fact that He sees everything. He sees whether kids are paying attention in church right now. He sees whether adults are paying attention in church right now. He sees everything. But Jesus didn't just tell him, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. I think what Jesus conveyed to him is, not only did I see, because because it's one thing to see someone from a distance under a fig tree. And obviously Jesus was too far away to have physically seen him under the fig tree. But I also believe that what Jesus was telling him is, not only did I see you under the fig tree, I also saw what you were thinking. I heard your heart and your mind. See, God isn't just omnipresent. He's something else called omniscient. Omniscience. All-knowing. He's not just everywhere. He knows everything. He knows what Kai is thinking about right now. Nobody else in this room does. He knows what Sam is thinking right now. Sam doesn't even know what Sam's thinking right now, but but God does. I'm just kidding. He knows us. And what Jesus is conveying to him is, I saw you when you were under the fig tree. I saw thee. And I do believe that that conveyed to Nathaniel, you didn't just see me with physical eyes. And if you could see me when it was impossible to see me, then you know what I was thinking. Nathaniel, in verse 49, answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. And we have the third thing about God. He is omnipotent. Present, he is omniscience, and he is omnipotent, omnipotent. He is all powerful. You are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. What does that mean? It means that he believed Isaiah 9 6. It could be that Nathaniel was reading from Isaiah 9 6 or or then and, and understand they had a lot of Bible memorized. The old, the old Testament was just something they would quote. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it's a, it's a Christmas passage. We, we, we sing it. We heard it just this, this week and last week. <clears throat> Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. What did Nathaniel say? Thou art the Son of God. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. What did Nathaniel say? He said, Thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. You are the Son of God, and you are the governor of governors. You are the king of kings. You're everything. You are who, you, who Philip said you were. You are who Moses and the prophets prophesied that you were. Moses prophesied of Christ coming. Many prophets spoke of him coming as Isaiah 9, I just read about. In Isaiah seven fourteen, a virgin would give birth to a son. Isaiah 53, the lamb would be slain. The lamb would be wounded for our transgressions. Daniel chapter 9 says that Messiah, the prince, would come. So back in John chapter 1, it says here again, Thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Why? Just because I said I saw you? But let's look back, and before we skip over this, let's look back at something. As soon as Nathanael started walking towards him, as soon as they came over the hill together and started coming to Jesus, Jesus looked up, maybe even pointed at Nathanael and said, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. I like to ask this question. If you know me, you know that I teach something about Israel that most people don't teach. I teach what I think the Bible's teaching. I don't believe for one minute, it's just because someone calls himself a Jew or an Israelite, that they are God's chosen people. Because Jesus said in John chapter 3 to one of them, to Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, you must be... Yeah, but the whole, the whole first birth, I mean, that's what it's all about. We're, we're, we're descendants of Abraham. We can prove it. We got the pedigree. You must be born again. That just wipes out the whole arrogance of it. That's what the whole Pharisee problem was. In fact, John the Baptist had the argument with the Pharisees, and John said, you think, you think you're something because you're the children of Abraham? God can raise up children from these rocks right here. The message of the New Testament is flesh and blood do not inherit the kingdom of God. I mentioned prejudice a little bit ago. And and maybe Nathaniel had a little bit of that when he talked about Nazareth. Can any good thing come out of Galilee? Nazareth? That was the attitude. They... They lived in a time where the Pharisees were the better people simply because they had an ethnicity that was more pure. The Samaritans, chapter 4. She's talking. He's talking to her. She's a half breed. Samaritans can't prove their lineage. And, and she says to him, we're, we, we know Messiah is coming. He said, I am he. She runs back and she says, Come and see. I found him, the Christ. But if there's one passage that I'll go to about this, it will be this one right here. And I'll say, what in the world did Jesus mean? Behold, an Israelite indeed. What does that mean? He's got papers in his pockets that prove that he's he's authentic. Is that what it meant? What does it mean, Israelite indeed? I mean, what is he saying? Don't know for sure what Nathanael was was thinking about under that fig tree, but I have a feeling that Jesus was answering questions that he had been thinking earlier. Let me keep your finger in John John 1 and go to Romans chapter 9 and and then uh, also Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 9 and verse number 6. It says, "For as though, not as though the word of God hath taken none effect. For they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. What in the world does that mean? Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. What does that mean? Well, Galatians chapter 4 tells us that there is an allegory. And Ishmael represented children of the flesh and Isaac represented children of promise. And the idea was, is that it's not a fleshly birth that gets you in. It is a miracle birth. And we know Isaac's birth was a miracle because his mother was 90 years old. His father was hundred years old. Again, it's the miracle birth that makes you an Israelite. Indeed. They are not all Israel. Which are of Israel. Just because you were born a Jew or just because you were born an Israelite physically. Paul said, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrew. Pharisee of the Pharisees. And I counted all as dung. That's what Paul said. Because it is not a physical pedigree. Yeah, but pastor, what about all the other prophecies? Look, the chosen people of God today, like it or lump it, are the people who are born again. when he said an Israelite indeed that's what he meant in Romans eleven five, it talks about a remnant of the nation of Israel not all of them and Romans chapter 2 says it this way Romans chapter 2 the last two verses of Romans chapter 2 for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh Paul said, I was circumcised the eighth day. I was everything outwardly you could be. This is Paul, by the way, writing Romans. Romans 2, verse 29. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, spiritually. And circumcision is that of the heart. And by the way, the Old Testament talked about circumcising the heart. You remember when Stephen got stoned in Acts chapter 7? got stoned to death he said you uncircumcised in heart and ears and that's why they stoned him they were physically descendants of Abraham but he said you are uncircumcised spiritually and they killed him for it circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God so that's what Jesus is saying and Israelite indeed in whom is no guile Jesus gave Nathanael a compliment. Jesus said, you are a true blue Israelite. You are saved. You are a believer in Christ, and now you're meeting him face to face. What does that mean without guile? Someone was asking me not too long ago, and I want to just mention this God, I, I was they were asking me, so what, what about people who've never heard the gospel? What about people who have never heard the truth of Jesus Christ? Well, I know there are stories that prove this, and I believe this with all my heart, that even in the deepest, darkest part of the world right now, if there is a human being that is crying out to the true God and wanting to know, God will find them. Without any guile means you're honest, not perfect, but you have an honest heart. You desire to know truth. And you know what I'm convinced of? I'm convinced that most people can't find Jesus, especially in America. Most people can't find the true church to go to and the true Bible and the true Jesus like a, a, a robber of a bank can't find a police officer. They don't want to. In my opinion, and Jeremiah backs me up because Jeremiah says, the prophets prophesy falsely and my people love to have it so. And especially with internet and everything, how can you not find? Remember my story about the the coach going down the road with the bus and the kids? Oh, that doesn't even look. Well, why don't you come see? See, the truth is I want to go where I feel I don't want to know. La, 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 Tell me lies, tell me lies. And I got a feeling that all around them, there were a lot of Jews who had guile. Certainly there were Pharisees who had guile. And deceptive. And so Jesus is just saying, there's an honest heart, and that's why you've been found. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you want to know, you can know. My opinion is, is that most people don't want to know because ignorance is bliss. If I ask Pastor Matt or Miss Wilma this question, they're going to tell me something in the Bible I don't want to hear so I'm just not going to answer the question I think that happens you say well if I don't go to church I won't hear the sermon and then I won't be held accountable if you decided not to go to church I think you'll be held accountable because you should have been there well I like the way this version says it better than this version the Bible's not a smorgasbord see guile is when you're just dishonest You're not being honest about stuff. You know, what's really interesting is guile is without any deceit, without any deception. And what's interesting is there was a guy way back in the Old Testament and his name was Jacob. And when Jacob deceived his brother, His brother said, He's deceived me. Is not his name Jacob? He supplanted me. The word Jacob means supplanter. He's deceptive, he gets what he wants by not being honest. And you know, Jacob didn't get a new name until he wrestled with Jesus and got saved. I think that's when Jacob really got himself turned around. And, and God gave him a, a name different than Jacob. He didn't have to be called supplanter anymore. He could be called Israel. It's interesting, isn't it? And, and if people are, are resting in the fact that they're descendants of Jacob, that's not it. It's not flesh. It, you need to be born again. And Jesus was saying, here's an Israelite who is an Israelite indeed. There's is no guile. He wants to know the truth. He's under that fig tree and I'm just going to say this as in my imagination and he's saying, God, John the Baptist has been telling us about him. Lord, please show me. Please lead me to him. I want to know. I want to understand. I read about him. I'm reading stuff and, and God says, there's a man with no guile. I'll tell him some stuff. How about you and I? Are you honest enough to know truth? Because my, my opinion is most people today are afraid of truth. I have to go get a tooth yanked out next week. Now, a month ago I went and the dentist said, well, you know, if it's not hurting, maybe, maybe it's getting better. So let's wait 30 days. So we waited 30 days and last week I went in and they said, I said, I, I am feeling something, but it could be something else. He said, I'm afraid to tell you. And the worst part about it is, it's the tooth that I already had the root canal and the cap put on. And I think it was Mrs. Pryor or somebody said, don't do that. You're wasting your money. Sure enough, thousands of dollars later, after some other dentist stuffed it full of plastic and sealed it with super glue, now they're saying, and I've never had a tooth problem before. I really hadn't. I've never had a lot of an erratic cavity in my whole life, believe it or not. And next week they want to just yank it out. And then they want me to spend some more thousands of dollars putting some gap thing in there and filling it in so it won't cave together and blah 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 all this stuff. Now, here's what I think I should do. I think I should decide that that dentist probably isn't a very good dentist. And I'm going to keep looking all around rapid until I find the one that says, hey, if you don't want to pull, don't pull it. Looks good to me. On the outside, it looks like all the rest of them. And there's a lot of people that don't go to the dentist because they don't want to hear what the dentist is going to tell them. And there's a lot of people that don't go to the doctor because they don't want to hear what the doctor is going to tell them. And in some cases, I don't blame you. And there's a lot of people that don't want to go to church and don't want to read the Bible because they don't want to hear what they need to hear. But the way that we're going to get things right is getting honest. And I've always said in my family, the number one rule is you've got to tell the truth. You have to be honest. Because if you're honest, you will admit you're a sinner. You'll admit you're on your way to hell and you need to be saved. You'll admit that you are not perfect and that you have issues and that you have needs and you will come clean and be right before God and you'll just Jesus get this guys please get this Jesus did not say behold an Israelite who is perfect that, that would have been the Pharisee no behold an Israelite who is true he just is honest you, 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 wanna, you want God to bless you be honest but 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 it's easier to tell a lie once in a while isn't it let's be honest right now isn't it easier to tell a lie once in a while i mean the short term answer is if i just tell a little white lie i i can get out of this but what does god want honesty god's not looking for your pretend perfection we don't have perfection. See, by truth and mercy, iniquity is purged. When we are honest, he'll give us the mercy. We have to be honest. And so Nathaniel was this man with no guile. did not mean he was perfect, but he was, he was just straight shooter. And he just wanted to be right with God. And God found him, and God introduced himself to him. And it's an awesome story. Now we're not quite done, but we're close. Go back to John chapter one. A couple of other things. John chapter one. By the way, if 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 anyone today, I think this is very wicked. If anyone today tells an unsaved Jew that they are God's people, I think that's a dishonest thing. Whether you whether you're sincere about it or not. And, and let me ask you a question. Can they go to heaven just being physically descendants of Abraham, even if they can prove that today? could Does that matter? They need to get saved. And, he, and here's some other truth. And by the way, we read, it, we read a letter from our missionary in Israel on Sunday. We have a, a missionary who is preaching the gospel to Jews in Israel right now. We trust that he's doing that. But here's another dose of reality there are Christian Palestinians. I'm just being honest. Don't let Fox News or anybody tell you the narrative. And one day, Christian Palestinians and Christian Jews will live in heaven together. And God's will is for them to go to church together. And it is man that wants to be prejudiced and to make a big deal about what town they're from or what side they're on. It's evil. And one more thing, Jesus of Nazareth. Do you know John chapter 19, verse 19? The other, the other gospels say they wrote king of the Jews. But in John nineteen nineteen, John said they wrote Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. Can any good thing come from Nazareth? Jesus was from Nazareth, Galilee, Galilee of the Gentile. Not as good as the, see, the, the Jews were proud of the fact that they were whole, without any associations with Galileans even. They would question, these Galileans, how can these Galileans know anything? They're kind of closer to the Samaritans in the world and the Gentiles. In Acts 24, 5, Paul was accused of being one of these followers of the Nazarene. These followers of that Nazarene from Nazareth. Guess what? I'm a follower of the Nazarene of Nazareth. He is my Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem. He grew up in Nazareth. He's the king of the Jews. He's the king of the kings and lord of lords. And uh, so... One more thing along this line I mentioned it already son of joseph we know jo- he's that carpenter in nazareth is not this the son of joseph no he isn't philip got that part wrong when he said come see and of course we're not blaming philip he's just physically speaking humanly speaking he's he's jesus he's he's joseph's son right well no not really he's the son of god and that's why it's so special that even though philip said to nathaniel We have found him, verse 45, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said, you are the son of God. You're not the son. I know what Philip meant, but you're not the son of Joseph. You're the son of God. So lastly, Jesus answered in verse 50 and said, because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. We're not going to go there, but Genesis 28 is the story of Jacob, and it's called Jacob's Ladder. And Jacob fell asleep in a place called Luz, and he had already fooled his brother and fooled his dad and lied to them, and now he's running for his life to Uncle Laban, and he has this dream, and God's trying to get Jacob's attention. And Jacob dreams a dream and there's this ladder that extends from earth to heaven and there's angels of God ascending and descending upon this ladder and it's known as Jacob's ladder. And here in John 1, 51, Jesus is telling Nathanael, I am the ladder. I am the ladder. I am the bridge between earth and heaven. And you're going to see the Heaven open and the the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. I am the ladder. Jesus Christ is the bridge. We have tracks that talk about Jesus being the bridge. He is the mediator between God and man, He is the connection between earth and heaven. What does he mean here? Well, right here, he's telling Nathaniel and he's saying, Ye, verse 51, all of you, not just you, Nathaniel, but ye shall see. That means plural, heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending. What does that mean? Well, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 13. Hebrews 1 and verse 13. It wasn't long after Jesus went back to heaven that the early church started to experience some amazing things. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. But to which of the angels said he at any time, sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth? to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Do you believe in angels? I hope so. The Bible says there's angels. Now, again, don't think of angels the way the Hollywood says there's angels. Here's what I do know. Angels are not named Clarence. Angels don't have wings. Bible never says angels have wings. Bible never says angels are female. Every time you read about an angel in the Bible, they look like a man. When you're shorthanded for a Christmas program, you use girls. But there are angels. Hebrews goes on to say that sometimes we could be entertaining angels unawares. That we could, you know, there could be someone that's really an angel. We don't know it. There's stories of people who were a complete stranger, came out of nowhere and gave us a hand and helped us in the time of need. And we don't know where they went or who they were. And what Jesus is saying, you're impressed that I could see you under the fig tree? There's coming a day soon where you're going to see angels sent from me with my connection to you. And in Acts, Peter was in prison and an angel came and popped open all the doors and took him out. The early church saw angels do things. And there are times when angels have done things in our day too. We might not be coherent enough to realize that's what's going on. There are guardian angels. The Bible talks about children having guardian angels. I don't know about you, but I was pretty stupid when I was a kid. I'm a little smarter now, but not much. Bible says, foolishness is bound to the heart of a child. When I was a kid, I was in Michigan. And we were living on Spider Lake. And Spider Lake was not a huge lake, but it was a fun lake. And it was just that time of year when everything was starting to freeze. But the lake was still dark. So it was like a skin of ice, but you could still see, and you could even still see bubbles coming up. And my second grade brain, I don't know why I'm looking at Bennett right now, but I am. My second grade brain, Corey, said, hey, I think I could walk out on this. And so I did. I'm walking out. And you know how how the, those spider cracks? That's what it was doing. I'm second grade. I'm not going to die. I'm second grade. I'm walking out. I'm way past the dock. I turn around, and the smarter kids are like, you shouldn't be doing that. Oh, it's fine. I'm leaving footprints in the ice. It's that. It's that it's that. And you know what I, I wasn't I don't believe I was saved at that time. I, I believe I knew about Jesus in my head, but I don't think I was truly saved at that time. And I believe my guardian angel was underneath the water going blah, 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 with every step I was taken. you dummy. That's why he gives us angels, because some of us need them a lot. And Jesus is saying, Nathaniel, I'm going to send you all ministering spirits to help you. And I'm I'm the bridge. That's how it's going to happen, up and down. And God gives us access to the throne of grace because of that ladder. Jesus Christ. So in clothing, closing, not clothing, in closing, John chapter one, verse forty seven. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. He knew his character. Young people, old people, let me let me just remind you of something. Proverbs fifteen three says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Beholding the evil and the good. There's two things you need to understand about that. Number one, God sees what you're thinking. You can put on a show. You can make excuses, tell little white lies. Listen to me, lies are lies. But I don't want to tell pastor the truth because then he'll think something. Listen to me. I'll think great things if you're honest. If Dallas says, pastor, I blew it. We're discouraged, but not as discouraged as we would be if we found out he was faking it. Do you get me? If I've got a child right now that's doing secret sin and he doesn't come clean until he gets caught, that's going to blow me away way more than if he on his own or she on her own were to confess it and get honest. Jesus said, I know your character. I know who you are. And let me tell you something. He knows who you are. I know your character and I also know your actions. I saw you under that fig tree. Now that's the difference between God and me and God and you. I can see. I saw Jeff Pryor here earlier today. I heard a noise, I looked out the window, and there he was. Sat down and finished writing. I was going to go out and talk to him. I looked out the window; he's gone. But I know I saw him. But I don't know what he's thinking. But not only did God see where Jeff Pryor was today, God saw what he was thinking, and He saw what you were thinking. He knows your character, He knows your actions, and like He told Nathaniel. He sees your future. He knows what's coming next. God knows. Yesterday, of course, we were discouraged or disappointed that Ms. Wilma's flight plan was changed. Our daughter was not happy to hear that grandma's not coming today. But God knew that. And we're like, oh, if we'd have just had you fly out the day before when it was good weather. No, God knew that. And there's probably a real good reason why that we might not ever know, but God knew that. He knows your character. He knows your actions. He knows your future. He knows. He sees. The other thing I wanted to say about that is not only does God see what happens on your end, but God sees what other people do. So you don't need to react because God saw it and God allowed it to happen. So we don't need to like we do so many times. Maybe God's allowing somebody to do stupid stuff to you just to see how you're going to take it. in whom is no guile. No matter how wronged I've been, I'm not going to do what they're doing. God knows all about us. And here's the cool part, we're done. Because this is all about God knowing Nathaniel before Nathaniel ever really knew him. This is just something to say and then I'm done. God knows everything about you. God knows everything about you. Pastor, if, if you knew me the way I know me, you wouldn't like me. Maybe not. <laughs> but God knows everything about you, and he does like you. God knows everything about you, and he loves you anyway. God knows everything about you, and he still likes you. And He still died on the cross for you. That's amazing. He said, Peter, you're going to deny me. But I'm still pulling for you. I still love you anyway. And I'm praying for you. We're going to close tonight with our disciples study. It's been good. It's been fun. I hope you've learned some things. I know I have. Dear God, thank you for the opportunity to preach and to teach and to understand your word. And Thank you for Nathaniel's testimony. May it be said of us, there is a person who tells the truth. Not just when it's convenient, but they're just honest inside and out. Lord, you'll, you'll reward an honest person. You'll bless an honest person. Help us to just be clean. It will encourage us when we are humble enough to admit our failures and faults, confessing them one to another. It will help others to see that it's not about playing a game and pretending to be perfect. And Lord, help us to live with the understanding that you're seeing everything and you know what's going on behind closed doors and in the hearts and minds of men. And no matter how discouraged or defeated we get, help us to understand that you love us anyway. You still love us and you want us to learn. Whether we're a Peter or a Nathaniel, you want us to learn and you want us to draw closer to you. And thank you, God, that you minister to us and that you guard us and protect us when we need it and help us to just realize how much we we owe you and, and appreciate you even more. Lord, we thank you and praise you for all things. In Jesus' name, amen.